G'day everybody, welcome along to the Leadership Sensei Radio, the small business podcast where we explore the many facets of small business and leadership. I am Brett Morrison, the host for the show, and if you're a first time listener, thank you for joining us and I hope you get a lot of value out of the insights from our many and varied guests that we bring along onto the show for you. If you're a return listener, thanks for joining us again and I hope that you continue to get the value out of it that you've that's drawn you back to the show time and time again. Tonight, I sit down with good friend Sean Brewster again, but this time for a conversation, not so much an interview. Sean is sharing it on his podcast and I'm sharing it on mine. So it's more of a, a conversation around what we see as a, as a concern that comes up quite often with the people that we work with, whether we're coaching them or tutoring them in, in the case of Sean. and. It's about this whole idea around competence and confidence. How do I become more confident? Do I need to do more courses? Do I need to be more training? And a lot of people get stuck in the competence, confidence loop where they feel they need to go out and do more training, more courses, get more certificates before they feel confident to go out and start their business. Let's not muck around, let's get into it. And I hope you enjoy the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Many months ago, it was a while ago now, Sean. And also re- a couple of recent episodes of uh, the CA podcast, CA Audio, where we chatted about some of the things that, that were true to your kind of world, which are yep. culture change. Absolutely. And the other topic was... is around about mindset. So making, helping people to change their mindset from a negative perspective on life, which yep. is actually what we're hardwired to do in many cases and flip that over to being positive and more focused on getting results and being the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So that was the above and below the line thinking, wasn't yes, it? it was, right. yeah. So if you didn't catch those, jump on CA Audio, download the episodes there. Very good. Um, I've actually got some really good feedback for you, which Excellent. we haven't spoken about yet. I had a phone call from a colleague of mine the other day who was having a little trouble with a team member, one of his yeah. staff members, and he was on the treadmill running, listening to the interview about the up, above. Best, the best time. I used to run and listen to podcasts all the time. Hopefully right. not your own. No, no. Okay. <laughs> so he was running the treadmill and he, it was the first episode he listened to of CA Audio and he yeah. happened to get the above the line thinking nice. Yeah, good one. And he actually took something that you and I had said word for word, got off the treadmill, rang this guy and said, here's some cultural things happening in the business at the moment. Here's something you're contributing to in yeah. a negative way and here's something you need to do to change it. Word for word in what we said. Fantastic. And he said within minutes, this guy's mindset shifted. The fallout, the fallout has been all yeah. positive, there's been some changes, so it works. It does, and look, that's the best feedback, it makes it all worthwhile. So We occasionally know what we're talking about. Perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> so the idea of this session today was to get Brett on, and we're going to talk about a couple of things which we both feel very strongly about, um, and in particular which Brett has some special knowledge in. The first one is ongoing education, which of course CEA, is, that's our bread and butter, we, we yeah. deliver ongoing education, but we want to talk about the the fault or the, the negative fallout from um, formal ongoing education when people are doing it for the wrong reason. Yeah. So when the person is stuck in the mindset, in the, in the student mindset, there's nothing wrong with being a student. I definitely encourage everybody to learn constantly. Oh, look, everyone, I think everyone should be a student for life. And I think that's a great philosophy to have is be that student for life. But there, there is a trap between getting stuck in doing course after course after course, as opposed to being a student for life. To fill a void of yes. lack of confidence, which yeah. is what we're talking about. So, so many people get caught up with, okay, I'm going to do this course, which is gonna give me the knowledge and the skill and the confidence yeah. to then go out into the world and be better something. 
they get to the end of that course and go, I'm not quite ready yet. Yeah. Let me get one more qualification or study a little bit longer and then another year passes and a decade passes and sometimes yep. they spend their whole life trying to get ready for this thing that they never actually get to do. Absolutely. And this is what I'm trying to I think a lot of it comes down to what we call the confidence, confidence loop. So okay. you're right. People will go, oh, I'm just not quite ready yet. I'm not too sure if I can do it. And they'll literally go do another course or they'll do something else. And they get stuck in this lap, this loop of thinking, the more training I do, yep. the more confident I'll be, which is rubbish. Yes. They just got to get over themselves at some point. And then, and look, one of the reasons that prompted me to this, have this discussion with you was one of the posts you put out recently is about, obviously CEA is a continuing education business. Yep. And it's actually your business how you make a living out of providing these courses. Yet your posts went along the lines of, hey, doing an extra course isn't the answer. No. It's actually about putting your skill into practice. And this is where that whole confidence, confidence, confidence mm. loop, confidence, or confidence, confidence loop comes into play where you've just got to get the skills you've got and know that you are enough and know and trust the people that are training you and have trained you that they know what they're doing and apply it. Because the more you apply it, the more you'll learn. And this is something that you'll understand, Sean, because you have a martial art background actually used to teach me so clearly you do which is a black belt in martial arts is really just a white belt who kept turning up and a right. black belt doesn't know any more techniques he just knows how to use them and when to use them he, he understands the basics better yeah but a black belt would never know when to use those basics unless they apply them right so he could go off and do another course learn another style and mm-hmm. you know be a yellow belt blue belt and you know half a dozen different styles mm-hmm. but never master any of them and never really know what it means to learn a technique. Yeah, exactly. And look, I can tell you guys listening and watching that most of what I've learned in my career has happened in a room like this. We're currently sitting in my clinic at the moment, hence the posters and things that you'll see on the walls. Um, most of the skills that I've developed over my career have happened while working on human bodies. Yeah. You, get, you can only take in so much knowledge and information before you then have to either use it or lose it. Yeah, and a good, a good theory for that is to learn it do it, teach it. Right, true. And I, if there's one area that I've learned even more than it may be on par with at least, uh, it's what I'm teaching. Yeah. Because if I can teach it, I know that I understand it. Yeah, and you have to really understand it because when you teach, you've got to be able to teach it in 10 different ways because everyone has a different learning style and they understand words differently. So you need to understand all of those. Mm. And when you do understand all those, then you, then you know it. And I heard a great quote given to me many years ago when I was working actually with one of the one-star generals at work and he said, Brett, to, to know and not do is not yet to know. And it's so true. So until you can apply something... It's a very Yoda-esque. It, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I yeah. thought, wow, that's um, from military. That's pretty, pretty deep, <laughs> actually. Yeah. Um, but, but it's so true, you've got to apply it. And it's, when, it's in the applying that you don't really understand... Like, unless you apply, you don't really understand what it means. You can have a theoretical understanding of something yes but until you physically do it you don't really know no that's right so I, th- I think we both agree uh, our message is basically if you are a student please learn like go yeah. and learn go and learn as much as you like scratch you know scratch that itch because you need to you need to learn what uh, what you're driven to go and discover yeah. you need to find out what that is but if there's something you want to do and the learning is a way to get there Take the fastest, shortest possible route to the starting, yeah. and then learn as you go. Absolutely. That's the whole idea behind CA. Yeah. We wanted to get therapists yeah. who were already practical. For the longest time, I've been training undergrad therapists. 
Yes. They get out into the world and off they go. And now I'm doing the opposite of that, which is getting them after they've gone out there and trying to teach them the things that maybe they need to know more of or filling some gaps along the way. And that's been for me even more fulfilling yeah. because I'm seeing and helping people understand that they are enough already. Yes. Here's a little yeah. bit more to make it even better. Yeah, and I think a good way to think about that is being you know, an apprentice and a master. So when an apprentice is learning a new skill, they'll normally find a tradesman to teach them. If they're really lucky, they'll have a master to teach them. And there's a difference, I think, between having a tradesman teach you and a master teach you. And that could be whether it's a degree or whether it's a physical trade or whether it is being in the tactile therapy. So as a remedial therapist, and I think one of the challenges that the industry can sometimes suffer from is some of the people who are now teaching yep. haven't got a lot of, lot of experience out in the industry. So they'll do okay. their course, then they'll come back in. And, and this, I think, adds to this whole confidence, confidence loop because the people learning don't have, are getting taught by people like yourself who have 20 plus years in the industry and they haven't got all this practical application knowledge mm. that, that you guys have. So, you know, you've got to get out there. You've got to learn from someone who's really, really good at their craft. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people as an apprentice, they'll learn from a tradesman and then they'll leave. They go, look, I, I know boats. And then they'll go and start the thing, but they'll get stuck at that level. So it's not until they go out and do further education with people like yourself, they, they go out and go, oh, that's what that means. Or actually put yeah. it into practice and well, then find out what they're lacking. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So that's part of putting it into practice because the master will go, do X, and they go, oh, that's probably not X. Okay, so let's let's try that again. Mm -hmm. you know, and so they'll learn a new technique or they'll learn a new way of doing the technique, and then they go, oh, that's how it's come. But it's, it's then the next level beyond that is when you can make it sing, which is artistry. And so right. you'll get people that, you'll see them work and you go, how did, how did they do that? Mm. And it's because they've, they've done this whole life of learning and they see everything that they do as an opportunity to learn a new skill or apply it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Because everybody like that you work on, and when I say body, I'm not talking about people, but the physical body that you're working on as a tactile therapist is different. Yep. And the muscles are slightly different depending on how active they are or inactive they are. Yep. And so you, the way that you apply technique will be subtle in its differences. But when they hop up off the table, I go, Wow, that was fantastic. It's the integration of all of that, isn't it? It is, yeah. absolutely. And I, my, I think from my experience, when I've had the, the best treatments, you know, when I've got up off the table or walked out and yeah. felt that was amazing, it wasn't necessarily because the therapist was a genius in reverse engineering my injury or whatever my problem was. Yeah. It was because they had a way to integrate their knowledge, their skill, their emotional connection, the whole, everything, through their touch, the way that they use their voice, yep. the tonality in their voice, down to the words they chose, the whole package. You can't teach that. I can't teach that to you, Brett can't no. teach it to you. It's literally through going, okay, I've got enough skills to start. Yes. Then they go out into the world and then they start applying it on 10, 20, 100, 1,000, 10,000 people. And then through time, you start to get feedback, whether it's conscious or unconscious, you're getting that feedback and you're building this repertoire of understanding about how to integrate all of the skills you've got. Yeah. And so when someone comes and does a course with me and they learn joint mobilization, I'm teaching them one thing that then needs to be integrated with all the other things they're doing. Absolutely. The skill is not the key. No. Lance Armstrong, who you know was a drug chief, said something, it's not about the bike, yeah. right? It's not about the joint mobilization, it's not yeah. about the needle, it's not about the massage technique, it's not about the joint manipulation, it's not about anything. Those are all just ways to achieve a result. The real skill comes in this bit. Yeah. The conversation, the way you communicate with the person and then the way you integrate what's going on in here and what's going on in here. So here's a question that I pose to you, Sean, because I'm sure you've heard this as much as I have, but what if I get it wrong? You will get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
promise you you'll get it wrong. I, I get it wrong. You I get it, it wrong. We all get it wrong. And it doesn't matter in the bigger scheme of things. We've got macro and micro. Yeah. And that's where the learning is. The learning is in the failure. Yes, yeah. 100%. And yeah. you, I, I, what's the saying? Uh, you either win or you learn. Yes. You know, some yeah. will say, oh, I win or I lose. No, but you win or you learn. And if you look at the losses as this is a learning experience. I had a patient come in today into this very clinic who has been to see me three times and she's not fixed yet. And that for me is frustrating because yeah. I want to see results after the first session. It doesn't always happen that way. But session two and session three, there's only been a slight improvement. Yeah. And for me, I'm thinking, what am I doing wrong? But every time she comes to see me, it's an opportunity for me to then investigate something differently, look at it slightly differently, to yeah. take a different approach with, the, with the, the, the techniques and the assessment and everything. And so she, she went away today more confident than after the first two sessions, even though yeah. she's not that much further along, yeah. because my understanding of her problem is greater now, yes. and I can convey that to her. Yeah, that yes, doesn't happen it. through fixing her the first time. No, or believing you fixed her the first time too. Right, which is part of the problem. I, like I, I know, I went to a, a therapist many years ago for for a bad knee, and he told me very clearly what the problem was, and I walked out there going, not going back. Right, even though he knew what it was, even though he knew what it was. So something about him and the way he did uh, Well, actually, you know, he didn't diagnose it well. So um, he believed he knew what it was. Okay, so he thought yeah, he knew what it was. He, he thought he knew what it was, yeah. And, yeah. Um, he had False confidence. It was. Right. Yeah. And look, that's the other extreme of what we're talking about here. People can get yes. caught up with yes. lack of confidence, so yep. they keep going back to school. Yes. Learning, 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 learning. But really, if uh, the, the other end of that is you are overly confident and you don't have enough skill or enough yes. knowledge. And that can, that can be dangerous. Yeah, it comes down to a lack of awareness, really. Yeah. It's lack of self-awareness. Yeah. And it's not just in the tactile therapies where that plays out. Look, I've seen that play out in, in the business space where I, I spend a lot of my time as well. And people like that are just plain dangerous. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so how do we then, for the person who says, all right, I'm not confident enough to really go out and do my thing in my career yet as a health practitioner or whatever. Um, yeah. I think I need to go back to school versus, oh, I'm, I'm just... I'm really good at this. I don't need to study anymore. I'm, I'm good to go. How do we, how do we balance those two things out, do you think? Practice. So if, if there's something that you're really passionate about, give it a go. Do it for free. Find friends, find family, mm -hmm. do it for free. As a test? As a test to get practice. So you can test yourself, you can do your skills, mm -hmm. go through the whole process. Don't treat it like it's someone that's in your family. Treat it as a client coming in. Do a case history, mm -hmm. do the assessment, do the practice, do the hours, which is why when you do your training, you do clinical hours to get that experience and that exposure to massaging people. Right. Yeah. Um, I know I, when I did my massage course, I got to clinical practice, so it was like 12 months, as a, right at the very end of the course, we got to the public clinic, and one of the people on the said, oh, I, I can't do this. I can't massage other people. And I thought, well, wow, so fail. Absolutely. So. Um, we got to that point, so clearly up to that point you'd massage family and friends, mm -hmm. but when it came to other people, she wasn't ready for it. So, yeah. yeah. And I think it's just about believing yourself and, and backing yourself, which is easier to say than it is to do. Of course. But you also got to understand that if your intent is right, so your intent is there to help people, mm -hmm. it's very hard to do a bad massage. Yeah, or about anything really, isn't it? Well, I would, yeah, I'd agree, about anything. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So. If the intent's right and you're doing your best, it'll come across. But that doesn't always translate to success, either for no. the patient 
or for you and your business or your clinic that you're working for or whatever, the ultimate tell, I think, of whether or not you're doing good work and whether or not you need to either go back to school or um, maybe go and study under someone else or gain more knowledge, whatever it is, is this idea of uh, the market decides. Yes. If patients are coming in your door and you are treating them and they're leaving and they're telling their friends or they're coming back and, and that's, that's evidence enough. And I, I still see people who have got a full book, they're treating people or even you know, half book, whatever, they're doing well, they're, they're yeah. getting a repeat business and they're still going, oh, I still don't feel like I'm, I'm ready yet. Yeah. I need to learn more, I need to go back to school, I'm, I'm, I'm only a remedial therapist, maybe I need to study my therapy or, or I see the physios going, so well they've got these big practices, maybe I need to go back and study physiotherapy. No, no. The market decides you're getting you're getting evidence every day walking yeah. through your door saying I'm here because you do good work. Absolutely, that is the evidence, and it's the same evidence that the massage therapist, the myotherapist, the chiropractor, the physio, the doctor, the yeah. the the person who owns the shop down the street, they're getting the same evidence. The market will determine whether or not you're doing yeah. good work. Absolutely, and part of that too comes down to not how good you are as a as a practitioner. But when you run a business and you're an entrepreneur, there's, there's a whole lot different number of elements that it takes to yeah. bring that business together. So it's not a reflection on your skill level as a practitioner. I don't mm. think you need to go back to school to learn, become a, a physio just because you feel like you're only a remedial therapist. Remedial therapists do amazing work and the, the, the small town I come from, they are busy all the time. Yeah. Because that's the type of injuries and that's the type of work that people do, very physical work down there, mm. and they're using their remedial therapists all the time. And if they're, if they're not getting that repeat business and the business is not working well for them, as in they're not getting clientele, it may not be, like you said, it may not be a yeah. skill deficit, no. it may be a business acumen deficit. Absolutely. Or it may be a lack of good communication skill. Yep. Or poor management of your marketing strategy. It could be so many things. So. You going, oh, I'm not getting enough business, I need to go back to school and study something else, doesn't necessarily fill that marketing no. gap no. or the communication skill gap. Absolutely not. I know highly skilled doctors who are yes. the worst communicators in the world. Oh, yeah. And yeah. yet yeah. they are, you know, they have the potential to rule the world in the medical sphere because yes. they're at the top of the tree, theoretically. Yeah. yeah. So it's not about your knowledge or your skill always. There's so many facets that make up an effective practitioner of anything, whether it be a health practitioner, a business person, yes, uh, you know, someone who works in yeah. IT, anything at all. There's all these skills that make up you as a person. So I think when we come back to, let's come back to our topic, shall we? Yeah, we probably should. We probably should. <laughs> so we come back to our topic of this ongoing, this fear, basically. It's a, yeah. it's a fear, isn't it? It's an internal fear of I'm not enough yet, therefore yes. I must keep studying. Yeah. Okay, maybe you do need to keep studying, but what is it that you need to study? Yeah. What is the gap? And it's not always skill or knowledge, is it? No. No. No, sometimes it can be mindset. Yep. It, like I said, it could be business skills. It could be communication skills. Get very clear about what it is that you want to improve yourself on for that particular period of time. Yeah, and I think that if, from my own experience, watching a lot of new graduates come through and then watching people who have been in the space for a long time, if I could give, if I could generalise the biggest and most common gap, it would be a lack of self-confidence through their communication style. Yes. So if you feel like you're lacking something and you're not quite sure what it is, try to spend some time with a health practitioner who's been doing it a long time and obviously has the evidence to support that they're successful. Yes. They have good business and they've got repeat clientele. Just sit and watch them. And if you can't sit in the room and watch them, take them out for lunch or coffee or something and sit yeah. and have a conversation and watch the way they deliver their message and communicate yeah, with you. And there's this new technology there and it's going to surprise you. It's called YouTube. Really? It's like a 
It is free. It's amazing. Is that right? Yeah, you can actually look at things like how to speak confidently, right. how, how to engage people confidently. So you're saying that rather than going and investing $5,000 on a public speaking communication skill course, I could watch that same content on YouTube for free? free? Pretty much, yeah. So there's a lot of things that are available to you, and obviously there's you know, they're going to give you the basics that are on YouTube, but there's some, there is some actually some very good content out there, mm. and that may encourage you enough to then to invest further money, because I can tell you I've invested literally probably over $100,000 in, in my education over the years, so I'm not saying don't go out and learn stuff, absolutely mm. not, but it's about being targeted in what you learn and who you learn from, and also be aware of how you're going to use it. How, how is it going to help you? Yeah, yeah. But beyond yep. just getting a certificate. So that's that course looks really great. I should go and do that course because everyone's doing it. Yeah. But will I actually use it in my practice? Absolutely. Am I interested in yep. treating sports people? No. Okay, well then why do the sports course? Yes. Yeah. And there's a difference between a qualification and an education. Right. So yeah, so you can go do a course and get a qualification, which looks really impressive when you put it on the wall, and I guess that's the difference between feeling enough of being a remedial therapist and, and having that degree that says physio on, on the wall or you know, Cairo or whatever it's going to be, but the education comes in that application. Absolutely. Apply the knowledge and the skills that you know. And then the confidence follows. And, and to, to quote another cliche kind of line that I often say is um, you don't have confidence, you do confidence. Yes, confidence is an action. It's an action. It's, it's not something you've acquired or something you even build in yourself. It's You can be not confident one moment and then confident another because of something you think or see or experience and that's not obviously not a DNA trait it's obviously not something that you can develop over time you can kind of learn it through practice you yeah. can learn to turn it on through practice yes um, but confidence if you're lacking confidence now my suggestion is practice faking it yeah because often you know you, you can't fake it till you make it but if you if you do confidence often enough it actually becomes yeah. your default state yeah and like as you said earlier Sean like Find someone that you believe is confident. Find someone that you believe is a, a, a very competent practitioner and, is, and comes across as confident in what they do mm -hmm. and learn from them. Don't just listen to the words they say and take notes. Physically watch how do they hold themselves. Yep. What are the words that they use? What is the language they use? How do they meet you? How do they greet you? Do they grip your hand firmly? Do they talk to you with a smile? Um, do you feel like they're connecting with you? How did they do that? What are the things that made you know that they're connecting with you? Mm. So look at what they do and how they do it, not just the words that they say. Exactly, yeah, I agree 100%. Matt Finch, who's watching right now, has asked if he could ask a question. Okay, Matt. Matt, go ahead and ask the question. It might be a little bit of a delay on the screen there, so if we t take a little while to answer your question, don't, uh, don't worry too much. But while you're posting your question, Let's roll on to the other topic that we had, which was building your professional network. And I think that matches well with this idea of people lacking confidence in their profession. Yeah. And I think your professional network and the people you surround yourself with is a, a really key way to give you that confidence. It, it does. To foster um, it. And this, this came out of that podcast we did the other day. You know, we are the sum of the five people that we hang out the most with. Right. So if we're hanging out with other people who aren't confident, and I'm gonna say, if, if you're one of those people that don't have a lot of confidence, there's probably some people in your family that may not be confident. Mm. So or at least your close friend circle. Close friends, yeah, so the people that you've grown up with may not be confident as well. Mm -hmm. So hang out with people that are confident. You'll, okay, it will rub off and they will hold you to account. They will help you be confident. They'll look at you and the thing is to share that with them as well. So for change to happen, you need to call it by its real name. It's something that I, you know, a mentor of mine always said to me years ago. So if you're not confident, share it with a friend. Get 
a, a group that you work with and right. you're comfortable with and you respect their, their opinion yep. and uh, respect their advice and say, hey, look, I need some help just getting more confident. After they you know, hit you around the head a couple of times, then they'll hold you to account for that because they go, wait, come on, you know, get over yourself, just get on and do something. They'll point it out when you're not doing confidence. They will. Yeah. And they'll do it because they're your friends and the people that you trust, it'll, it'll be a respectful space. And there's also something funny that happens too when you verbalize a fear or a something that's holding you back or something that you think is lacking in you. Sometimes just making it an actual thing allows, yes. you, you, allows you to let it go. It, 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 it's funny how it works. Yeah. Because um, it's no longer something that's hidden and buried away it becomes out there and it's something that's exposed yeah and you know then um, you can let it go darkness finds it hard to live in light it's very prophetic okay now matt have you got your question for us i'm going to see if i can scroll through to it it hasn't popped up yet maybe he's dropped off maybe we lost okay it. well hopefully he, uh, hopefully he jumps back on asking us that question um but i think this whole the the the, the confidence competence loop that you're talking yeah. about before being able to foster growth and confidence in yourself through communication, through building your network is, is key, like we've just discussed. Yep. What are some of the things that you've seen in your, like, I'm obviously talking from a health practitioner perspective, yeah. but in, which you have been in the past. In the business corporate space, yep. what are some of the key things people can do that maybe translates into my space as well to build your professional network? So it isn't to surround yourself with people who are bigger, better, smarter, greater than yep. you where you are currently. Yeah, they are. So look for groups that do it. So there are plenty of associations and the associations will put on networking events. Okay. So that's probably one of the easiest things that you can do. Um, I know that CEA actually hold events, mm -hmm. which are essentially networking events. Um, yeah. And it's quite often an information night as well. So you're getting something, you're basically getting a double bonus. So you're getting to hang out with like-minded people. Mm -hmm. um, also successful people like yourself. Um, also the, your network actually involves a lot of successful practitioners. So if you're looking at the people that come onto your TV show and onto, onto your podcast, they're all successful in their own right, but they also come along to your network events. Mm. So a lot of these network events don't cost anything. You can go along for free and you'll be welcomed into those because one of the things I find with successful people is that they'll encourage other people along the journey. Yeah. There's no judgment, they'll just hold you to account. Mm -hmm. If you're prepared to do the work, they'll support you in that. So you hang out with people that are like-minded but also who are up and going. Like they're up and coming and they, they're growing their business in the same direction that you want to take. Yeah, and I think that so many people get caught up with, oh yeah, I, I'll hang out with people in the lunchroom at work, or I'll hang out with yeah. people you know, uh, after work when they're going on social things. It takes more than that sometimes. I think you've actually got to seek out yes. opportunities. Yes. There's a great website called meetup.com, and it's not a dating for singles website. It's actually, it's actually a website where you can go and there's so many groups of every single topic you can think of. And every week, somewhere in Melbourne or wherever you yeah. live, there's a meetup meeting going on that you can join for free and, and mingle with those kind of people. Yeah. yeah. Looks like Matty's question has come through there. Let's have a look and see if we can get that one. So Matt's question was, is there treatments that you avoid with first time clients at all? Is there something you wait till you build more rapport with the client before you proceed to the treatments? Good question. So that does come down to confidence a lot of the time. And you know, I was teaching a course over the weekend where we were integrating a, a thought process and a, a treatment modality where it does break the paradigm of how a lot of manual therapists work. Yep. It's more movement focused rather than passive therapy focused. Okay. And so as an example, getting the client up off the table when you are used to doing passive manual therapy yeah. is a big paradigm shift for a lot that of people. Is. So Matt's question is basically to summarize, 
is there certain things that you wouldn't do in the first treatment that you would do maybe second, third, fourth treatment down the, down the line? Um, yes, but that also comes down to the person more so than my pattern of how I, how I treat. So if the person comes in and I can tell through the rapport that I've built with them that they're very open and comfortable with whatever it is that I'd like to try and it, I'll get to that through the conversation and the history yeah. taking, then there's pretty much nothing that I would do in a fifth treatment that I wouldn't do in a first treatment in the first treatment for the right person. Yes. So to answer your question, Matt, no. I don't always do this in this one and then roll it out further down, but I reverse engineer the person and their personality and what they present with before I choose what I'm gonna use. So you could have three people coming with the same shoulder problem and I'll give three different treatments. Yeah. Based on where that person is mentally, if someone's very fearful of their shoulder pain because they dislocated a month ago, and they've been holding it guarded like this for the last month, well then I'm gonna do something much more passive and something much more gentle and work more on this than the body. Yes. And then another person walks in with a month old dislocation, but they're a bit more gung-ho, they're a bit more confident, yeah. but then I'm gonna try something a little bit more active and proactive with that person. So I think, think more about the patient than you yeah. do about the problem. And how does that person need you to deliver what you're gonna deliver as opposed to how does the shoulder um, asking basically what does it need so that's my answer to your question Brett. Uh, to, uh, Matt I hope that answers your question um, so is there anything else we need to touch on on these topics look I think part of that networking and I think it goes back to Matt's question and partly probably more to your answer to Matt's question is about can, learning to connect with people so when you build your network you know especially if you're an introvert and you're very shy yeah it's a tough it, one right it is and so I can, I can say that because despite what people think, I am actually a fairly high introvert. So when I go to a party, I'm the guy that sits in the corner and has a conversation with one person all night. Mm. Believe it or not. Uh, so am I. <laughs> you must <laughs> wouldn't believe that either, but I am. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So in recent years, I've actually made the effort to walk around the party and talk to as many people as I possibly can. So you're doing confidence rather than I'm being... I'm doing confidence, yeah. absolutely. So, um, and as, un as uncomfortable as that makes me feel mm -hmm. even going to the party knowing that I'm going to do that it has helped yep because like you said it's about doing confidence yeah but part of that too is knowing how to connect with people knowing what motivates people and that comes back to that whole communication space so you said before about not just learning about getting more skills in your craft right but looking at the skills that complement it so as a practitioner being able to connect with your patient on the table and feeling where they're at no, in, their, no, in their mind yeah. is probably 80% of what you're doing. Like yeah. even in the business space, I, like I've just started with a new team and I've, first thing I've said is that 80% of what we do is all about relationships. And in fact, most people just look at what I do and say, actually mate, it's got nothing to do with relationships, it's just about measuring numbers, it's all data and analytics. But it's all about relationships because people aren't going to be able to provide that in a timely way. They're not going to be able to provide it in a way that has meaning and add value to the company mm. or the business until they know what it means. And it's those personal relationships that make a difference. Yep. And the same for when you have someone on the table, like you said, you can have the same injury but treat it five different ways because the person's in a different headspace yeah. every time. And it doesn't matter how advanced the technology gets around us and how advanced the, you know, the infrastructure of all this technology happen, uh, uh, builds around us in our industry we are still dealing with human beings. Yeah. And it's, as health practitioners, we're in a really unique situation that it, it doesn't matter how much things evolve 
around our industry, it still comes down to one person, one person in a room together, yeah. talking, first of all, yep. and then something happens. Yes. It's getting closer and closer to the point where you'll walk into a clinic and you'll input your symptoms into a computer, Oof. and yep. then when you get into the room, the person's, the computer's analyzed that, and then the therapist will deliver the therapy based on the analysis. Yeah. But that's, that's so far away from being effective. Like it's yes. so far away from being effective today. So for the, I reckon the next hundred years, that interpersonal communication yeah. is still gonna play out. So yes. anyone in the, in the industry at the moment who feels like they're lacking, yes, learn the skills, yes, get the knowledge, yes, read the books, yeah. but above all, go out and practice it, apply it, test it, and actually build your ability to communicate with other humans. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not about not learning this, because keep, keep learning, keep doing courses, for, mm. for sure, but apply it, mm. is what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I'll give you one little more tweak or a tip for the, um, for the networking side of things, there's something that I've discovered, and this, this works for me, so it may not work for everybody, but you may be surprised when, if you actually put this into play, be the guy that runs the party, rather than the guy that turns up to the party. Yeah. It does amazing things for your ability to then be confident in the space. Yeah. So if I walk into somebody else's party, and I know five, five people out of 50, I'll be introverted for the first couple of hours until I start to know people and feel comfortable. Yeah. But if I'm throwing that party, and I only know five people out yeah. of the 50, I will be 10 times more confident in the room. Yes. Because I created the opportunity for that yeah. to happen. So we at CEA, people, I said a little while ago that I'm an introvert, people look at, he's not an introvert, he's like the loudest guy in the room. He's not. I'm, not, I'm actually <laughs> introverted. So if, if I'm running a course and I've got 100 people in the room, I can walk in there and be the most confident, biggest personality in the room because it's my space. But if it's yeah. someone else's space, I just won't do it. Yeah. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah. So if you're That's a person, true. if you feel a little introverted, and you feel like you know, your confidence in a group of people might be lacking, then create opportunities that you've created yeah. to then communicate with other people. And I think that's one of the things I love about what you're doing at the moment, Sean, is that you're not just building a network, you're building a community. And that's why when you start creating your own events and you're getting the people that are like-minded with you, you start building a community that you add value to. And when you talk about a network versus a community, a community supports each other, a community right. looks out for each other, a community grows each other, it's in their best interest to keep each other and build each other up mm. and lift each other up as opposed to a network which is quite it's almost gladiatorial really it's about getting getting yourself ahead but a community isn't about getting yourself ahead it's about getting everyone together yeah, and that's right and a classic example would be in our manual therapy space there's lots and lots of facebook communities yeah right some of those are very positive inclusive supportive communities others not so much and when you've got a true community and people are there for one another, yeah. it only takes one person to say something negative or put yeah. another person down oh, and they yeah. pile on top yeah. and that person is removed, yeah. metaphorically removed, yeah. if not yeah. physically removed. Yeah. And so if you're in an yeah. environment where you're feeling, whether it be a physical one in a workspace, a social one in, a, in an outing, or whether you're in a, a virtual one online, where people can get away with saying or doing things that are negative and there's no fallout, that's not the community key community no. you want to be in. Move that's on. not a community. No. That's that might be a network, but it's not a network. community. Yeah, exactly. So I think uh, we've touched on a few key things there. Uh, if, anyone's, if anyone's got any further questions, we'd be happy to answer them now, so post them up. Um, otherwise, feel free to send them through. We might do another one of these down the track. And Sounds good, there's been lots of fun. Yeah, um, I think it's been good having you here, Brett, because you've got an understanding of both the manual therapy space, because you've 
you've done the massage therapist job. Yeah. You've done, you've gone through the training, you've done all that stuff, you've worked in a clinic, and now you've gone out and into the business space, which you've been doing a long time as well, and you can look back into it with different eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And so for anyone who um, might be looking for some, you know, some advice from somebody who understands this space but doesn't necessarily work in it, but can give you a fresh set of eyes, a fresh set of ears, look at it a little bit in a unique way, but it might be a good person to get in contact with, um, which they can find you at. Leadership Sensei on Facebook. Yep. Um, or you can go to, on iTunes, I have a podcast, which is Leadership Sensei Radio. Um, I have a website, which is leadershipsensei.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, if you if you want to get in touch, give Sean a call. He'll he'll give you my number. We'll, we can something. have a chat. Yeah. Um, but look, as far as business advice goes, like Sean's running plenty of events. So I'd recommend any of the stuff that Sean's doing. I think your business stuff now you're doing for free. Yeah. Um, so um, really you don't need to go too much further than that. But look, if you want to give us a call, give us a call. I'm happy to help out as well. I've helped plenty of past students because mm-hmm. after teaching business at the college for many years, mm-hmm. um, I've been in touch with many of the students in the past and just happy to help out. Yeah, and I think it's it's always good to take advice from somebody who doesn't say, come and buy my thing. Yeah, like I'm not, yeah I'm not They'll say, like you said before, go to YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Go to a free event. Yep. You know, if they're not trying to sell you anything, and you trust their advice, then that's a really good person to get advice from. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I hope you've enjoyed it or got, at least gotten something, something of value from that talk. I think um, it's always good to have Brett on. So thank you for your time. Thanks, Sean. It's been great fun. And we'll catch you guys next time. Always. Cheers. See ya. Well, there you go. We made it. What did you think? I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear your comments. And I'd love to hear how some of the things that we've been talking about over the last few weeks has impacted on your life, whether they've made a difference and whether you've been able to implement them. Because at the end of the day, unless we actually do something, we don't really know. And like I said in, actually in the podcast, to know and not do is not yet to know. It's actually in the doing that we learn. It's actually in the doing that we get the experiences to what it means. Until then, we just have a theoretical understanding of whatever is the topic that we want to talk about. And there's sometimes that we can actually talk quite well about certain topics. But it's not until we do it that we really truly understand what it means to be able to do something. Getting uncomfortable is the new black. I'm saying now, so be comfortable being uncomfortable. If there's a choice between taking it easy and being comfortable or having the uncomfortable path, choose the uncomfortable path. Keep yourself safe, but learn and grow from that experience of testing where your boundaries truly are. Again, a big shout out to those my listeners overseas. If you're in the US, thanks for tuning in. I'd love you to share the podcast with your friends. Try and keep up with the Aussie listeners. So I have to say I had a big spike in my Aussie listeners over the last two weeks. Uh, for many for many weeks, actually, it was top, neck and neck with both the US and Australia. But now Australia's starting to nudge ahead, guys. So the competition's on. Big welcome, big thank you also for my listeners over in the UK, Germany, Japan, and New Zealand. And also for my homegrown listeners here in Australia. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for sharing it with your friends means a lot to me if you haven't subscribed yet please do me a favor and subscribe and also give the big thumbs up and like the episodes that you've been tuning into and enjoying like i hope it's been making a difference for you and it's been of value until next week i'll see you then